Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The book of Deuteronomy, the book of remembrance, Deuteronomy chapter number 32. Deuteronomy chapter number 32, turn over to verse number 48. 32 is somewhat of a lengthy chapter. But I want to turn over to verse 48 and just grab a few of the closing verses of Deuteronomy 32. Most of Deuteronomy 32 is what's known as the Song of Moses. There were a few different songs, per se, of Moses in the Bible. But this is one that takes place very shortly before he is going to die and the word of the Lord kind of finishes up the chapter like this that in the self same day the Lord spake unto Moses that self same day same day that he gave his song saying get thee up into this mountain Abirim unto Mount Nebo which is in the land of Moab that is over against Jericho Behold, the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for a possession. And die in the mount whether thou goest up. And be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hor and was gathered unto his people. So he's admonished to get up into the mountain. Look at what God is going to give to the children of Israel. God tells him in verse 50, And die in the mount whither thou goest up. The Jerusalem Bible says that phrase like this, Die on the mountain you have climbed. For a little while this morning, I'd like to preach about this. Mountains worth dying on. Mountains worth dying on. Father, I come to you this morning... I'm inviting you, Lord, into this portion of our service. Asking God that you would open every heart and soul, Lord Jesus, in this place today. God, bring, Lord, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ the Lord. God, let there be a, Lord, unity of mind and spirit, Lord, for the next few moments in this place today. God, to see what the Spirit God would say to us, Lord, through your word. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, today, God, for we have come together, Lord, for you. God, not for one another, but God, for you, to honor you, to worship you. Lord, help us, God, to be able to leave God with a clear conscience, Lord, that we have done just that, God, when we have left this building here today. God, I thank you and I praise you, Jesus, God, for this opportunity. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Alex Shockley had grandiose dreams of being the youngest climber to reach the seven summits, each continent's highest peaks. He had a decision to make only a short distance from the summit. South America's highest mountain 
Alone he was, bent over in a violent, vomiting fit, coughing up blood, believing he was suffering from pulmonary edema. He started back down the slope with the peak of that mountain in his rear view. And as he went, he recalled the quote of another mountaineer that said, All mountains are beautiful, but no mountain is worth dying for. That may be the opinion of some, but statistics tell us otherwise. Rated at the 10th highest mountain in the world, the Annapurna has a high fatality rate. Since its first ascent in 1950, Annapurna has been climbed by more than 130 people, but 61 have died trying. The world's ninth highest peak, Nanga Parbat, has the largest mountain face on the earth, earning the nickname the Man Eater. Normally, they say fatality rates decrease over time of the world's most dangerous mountains, but not on the King Chinjunga, the third highest peak in the world. Death rates have reached as high as 22%. The Matterhorn has one of the highest, has one of the highest fatality rates of any peak in the Alp Mountains. The Mont Blanc Massif claims an average of 100 hikers a year. And although the world's tallest mountain, Mount Everest, has had many successful climbers, it has claimed many lives as well. It's the world's tallest mountain and at the same time the world's highest open grave with 200 bodies scattered among its ridges, which are still in the position that they died and very well preserved as, as well. There's a certain point along the ascent of Everest where the human body has no means of recovery. At 23,500 feet above sea level within what's known as the death zone, for many, it's not a question of if you are going to die, but when are you going to die. The human body stops acclimatizing and adjusting to the rigors of that elevation. You literally start dying as you continue to go forward. Cuts and bruises can't heal without a good oxygen supply so that at that level, simple bodily repairs are non-negotiable. They cannot happen. They cannot take place. The human brain is somewhat confused. Small movements, just a few steps, require, it seems, Herculean efforts in order to go forward. They know that at a designated height, their body is going to attempt to shut down. And that being said, mountains of this magnitude must be approached with the reality that the climber may possibly die on this mountain. And if that is possible, is it a mountain worth dying on? Does the potential reward of reaching the summit offset the foreboding risk of the climb enough to do it anyway? In 1923, George Mallory answered why he would attempt to climb Mount Everest. His answer was simple, because it's there. Yet 75 years it took before the remains of his body was ever discovered on Everest. And so we ask ourselves the question, was it worth dying on? Was the simple fact that that mountain exists enough to validate death there on that mountain? In 2016 at Camp 4 on Mount Everest at 26,180 feet, it would be the final camp before the summit. An Australian woman, 34 years old, 
She died there of high altitude cerebral edema. Her sister called her death an incredible waste. In other words, she's saying it wasn't worth it. She estimated the life of her sister a greater value than the mountain itself. And so what all of this really comes down to is this, is asking the question, is it a mountain worth dying on? Both the Korean War and the war in Vietnam involved significant battles over hills that in some instances were taken at a very great cost to those who fought on them, only to be abandoned shortly thereafter because their only military significance that the mountain had was the presence of the enemy soldier that was on them. As a matter of fact, one hill in particular was named Hamburger Hill. The hill was taken by a frontal assault at the cost of 72 Americans' lives, 372 wounded. Losses on the enemy side of the North Vietnamese are estimated at 630 men who died on the mountain. And the question that begs answering, though, in that episode is this. Was it a hill worth dying on? It had very little strategic value insomuch that the United States abandoned that very mountain they overtook, allowed lives to be lost at just two weeks later after being captured. And I wonder today if the loved ones of those fallen soldiers believed that that hill that soaked with the blood of their boys, amen, was a hill soaked and worth sacrificing for. Amen. Did, did they achieve, amen, something that justified the sacrifice? Was it a mountain that was worth dying for? All right. Is everybody doing okay? Amen. amen. Dying for something that in the end is not important is the waste of life. It must be done for the right reason. It must be done for the right cause. If it is a mountain you're going to die on, It'll be something that you will outlive because you're chanting it all for it. Someone say amen. People have staked their flags on winning an argument only to find they sustained more losses than they got gained. I've witnessed clasped hands, aged hands, wrinkled faces at the, the edge of coffins that those estranged and hard looks on their eyes and their faces caused by years of bitterness and strife as they stood there wishing that they had refused to climb some mountains. Many have expired on the heels of relationships. They were told all the risks. They were told the successes of this particular mountain, amen, were an exception and not the rule, and dead. Dead they are today. The number of young adults, amen, that should be here this morning should be a whole lot more than what there are today because of compromised relationships, mountains that they thought were worth dying on. The luster of their thrill on Blueberry Hill, if you will, had left them now devastated and damaged and at a place right now without God. Every saint in our churches are trading important peaks for trivial adventures this morning. They know the likelihood of cheating death in a spiritual regard is very slim. That the odds are against them. But they're deceived into thinking that it's a mountain worth dying on. Can someone say amen? Some are scaling mountains this morning of shame. 
Others are scaling mountains of guilt. Others are scaling mountains of despair. Despair. Yet there's others that are going up mountains of uh, shutting down, if you will, in a spiritual sense on mountains of disappointment and unforgiveness and failure. Folks, those are not mountains worth dying on. right now unto the Lord feel like there's a little spirit, spiritual lethargy here today can you just raise your hands right now unto the Lord I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I love you Jesus mountains are a part of the physical reality of the geography of much where the Bible was written and the stories that are told. They've been known as natural places of refuge. They've been places of security, territorial boundaries, strategic military locations. High places were known as sites where men communed with their gods. Israel even had fell prey to idolatrous worship on such mountains and those types were certainly not mountains worth dying on. Notable men had died on mountains through the scriptures. Isaac would have died on Mount Moriah had it not been for the substitute that died in his stead. Saul and Jonathan are quoted as being dead upon Mount Gilboa. Aaron, Moses' brother, died upon Mount Hor. And now Moses would die on Mount Nebo. In chapter 32 of Deuteronomy, Moses is coming to the end of his leadership journey. It is almost over. He has led the children of Israel from Egypt to this very river called Jordan. He has wandered with them through their years of wandering in the wilderness because they did not want to pass over that Jordan the first time. And so he's here the second time. His leadership days are seemingly over. When they first come to this place, we can read up in Deuteronomy 3, I believe it is, that Moses would climb up this hill. He's about ready to climb up once again. And it's from that vantage point he would look northward and southward and eastward and westward and he would see the very land that God had promised to his people. He would see the layout if you will of what God had allotted to, to, to Zebulun and, and allotted to Reuben and allotted to Naphtali, all the different tribes. He would see it with his very own eyes whenever he first had looked upon it. But now he's coming to a place that he understands because he and Aaron uh, struck the rock twice in the wilderness rather than speaking to the rock that they would not be allowed to go into the land of promise. They were not going to be allowed to go over Jordan. That's the reason why God was so adamant with Moses. He says, look at the land from this mountain because you shall not go over this Jordan. In Deuteronomy 3, he told them that you will not be going over this Jordan. This, this is not so much a story about Moses not entering, uh, if you will, the grand heaven. Amen. A lot of times we talk about Canaan being heaven. That isn't that isn't a perfect that isn't a perfect analogy, uh, there, folks. There's a lot of breakdown there because they had to go into Canaan and still fight enemies and over. So that's not a good parallel. Uh, Canaan and the promised land being heaven. What it basically meant for Moses and what it basically meant for Aaron was this: that their ministry had been finished at this point. Moses, you were to be to deliver to deliver people up out of Egypt, but you're not going to be able to deliver them into their Canaan. You're not going to be able to deliver them into their Canaan. As a matter of fact, this is as close as you're going to be able to get from this vantage point right here. And so the Bible tells us that God tells Moses to get up into this mountain, Nebo. 
and look over at the land. And he tells them that die in the mountain where thou goest. This is as close as you're going to get Moses. You've got to understand something this morning. That Moses had been telling the children of Israel what had been told to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He had been telling them about a land that flowed with milk and honey. He'd been telling them about a land that is for them and their families that their fathers strived for and at times it even touched with their feet. He had told them about this place. And so Moses has been a preacher about all of these things that they would enjoy in the land of promise and if they would ever get there, what would take place and what would happen. Yet Moses even had not been there himself. And so whenever he climbs up Mount Nebo, and there's something we need to understand today, God gave the command to Moses, climb up this mountain, but Moses had a decision about whether or not he would. Because we got enough uh, artillery in the past to show that Moses didn't always obey God. And so he had, he had a decision to make on his own whether or not he was going to climb up this mountain. But he did. He climbed this mountain. And as he surveyed that area for the first time, he surveys it again now for the last time. And it's from this vantage point that he could see the breadth, if you will, of Canaan. Without it, without it, Moses just had a description that he had been telling the children of Israel. Without it, Moses just had a land that he would never touch. His feet would never trod on his feet his hand would never plunge down into the dirt but because he climbed the mountain not only did he have a story but he had a vision for what was going to be what was going to come about what was going to happen amen and so he says in himself you know I could not climb this mountain I know I'm not going to go over Jordan I know that's the word of the Lord I'm not going to go over Jordan but I don't necessarily have to climb this mountain either I could die here at the base of the mountain I could go back into the wilderness and die into the wilderness. I could die, if you will, down by a brook. And so I'm going to make a choice that I'm going to climb this mountain because it's at least from the vantage point of the mountain. I can see everything that God will do and how God's going to prosper his people. What Moses was saying was this. You know what? This is a mountain that's worth dying on. I would not be advantaged any of these other things had I not climbed. I can't see this from the wilderness. I can't see this from the brook. I can't see this from the valley. But I can from there. And if I'm going to die, this is a mountain worth dying on. Because I can see what God's going to do, what he has promised, and how it's all going to unfold the land that the people are going to receive. Can someone say amen? God basically told Moses, he said, you get up to that mountain, and he obeyed, and he said, you die in the mount whether thou goest. You know what God was telling Moses? He's saying, Moses, if you climb up the mountain, he said, die on the mountain. In other words, this, Moses, if you don't think it's worth dying on, then it's not worth climbing. If you don't think it's worth dying on, then it is not worth climbing. I come to tell some people today, there's some mountains of shame and despair. There's some mountains of inferiority in your life you've been scaling. Honey, if it's not worth dying on, it's not worth climbing. There's some opposition. There's some things of the world that's trying to allure you. Honey, if it's not worth climbing, it's definitely not worth dying on. Someone say amen. 
Moses had been on in several mountains in his past, several mountains. He had been on Sinai. He had been on Horeb, sometimes twice for the receiving of the Ten Commandments. He had visited mountaintops. He had been there on mounts to receive the pattern to the tabernacle in the wilderness. Amen. And on any of those mounts, when he had conversation, had interaction with God, he could have been exposed to the divine presence of God and have killed him. He could have lost his life on the mountain if he just seen the, the, the presence of God with abandon, with no restraint he would have died on that mountain but every time we see Moses when God said come up he's headed up every time he said enter to this mountain quaking with fire and with, with, with noise of thunder amen, all these things Moses is on his way up, why? because he's sitting down here and he's saying you know what it's awful risky to be going up this mountain, I could lose my life on this mountain and he begins to way in his mind you know what the risk the risk is important enough the risk is valuable enough because of what I'll receive when I get to the not every mountain is worth dying on but some are someone say amen Amen. Nebo was no different for no different from Moses I'm going to climb this I'm going to die on this and God really puts the phraseology together for him If it's a hill worth dying on. If it's worth climbing, it's worth dying on. But if it's not worth dying on, then it's not worth climbing. Uh So phraseology, is it a mountain worth dying? What you're talking about there is whatever you got that you have your stake in that you're standing on. Is that that something important enough to defend? To risk your life? Or the lives of those that you're trying to defend it from? Let me tell you, we have put our stakes on some very petty things. We've put our stakes on some very petty things. And we have left more important mountaintops unstaked. Someone say amen. Moses says, I never have the privilege of seeing the promise unless I ascend the mountain. And I can see the future. I'm not going to walk there. But I got family and friends. They're going to, I'm going to be able to see what is in store for the future. And if I die there, I die there. Because I'd rather die having seen it than die not having seen it. God told Moses, he said, go up there, die, and be gathered to your people. As your brother Moses was gathered to his, your brother Aaron rather was gathered to his people as well, the Bible tells us in Numbers 20 that Aaron and, 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 and Moses and Eleazar, they went up a mountain by the name of Hor. Aaron had already learned of this prior to it happening, that he would go up that mountain and that he would die there. Again, he likewise had been there when the rock was smote, said nothing, Aaron is the high priest of Israel. Eleazar, Moses, and Aaron climb up the mountain. (laughs) As they're standing there, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord had commanded Moses, strip the priestly garments off Aaron and then place them upon his son Eleazar. And the, 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 the layout of the Scripture is this, when you strip those off and put those on Eleazar, Aaron is going to die. 
That's the way that the process was going to take. I don't know how it would have happened otherwise. But Aaron had a choice whether or not to go up that mountain of horror. But he knew from the words of the Lord how he said everything was going to go down. If at least I go up the mountain, I'll be able to see the priestly role be perpetuated. At least if I go up the mountain, I know these garments are going to fall upon my boy. I know the anointing of my life is going to fall upon my son. I know that the times that I've entered the presence is going to be exchanged to my boy. At least if I go up, I don't know what will happen otherwise. I've not been given a plan B or a plan C if I decide not to go. But if I go, I know at least I'll see this thing that it's going to go on. I'll see that this thing is going to outlive me. I'll see that this thing is going to go just a little further than where I am. And so I believe Mount Hor is a mountain worth dying on because if I go up there, I'm going to see the transference of the priestly robe of the spirit, the anointing, the power of God going on with the next generation. From that mountaintop, I can see something that's still yet coming. I might not be there myself, but I can see it's going to go on. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you what makes the difference between mountains to die on and mountains not to die on. And that is you want to die on mountains where it gives you a vantage point that you can see this thing doesn't stop here, but it continues and it goes on and it outlives you. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter, and it's talking about this one did that by faith and that one did that by faith and that one obeyed by faith. The Bible says, and none of these had received the promise, but seeing it a far off seeing it afar off you know what they said I'd rather chance life with my faith I'd rather climb that mountain with my faith of seeing what is afar off rather than not having done it at all and some were sawn asunder and some people received their dead to life again there were others that were put at the stakes but you know what they said that's a mountain worth climbing that's a mountain worth climbing because we could see the promise afar off from this vantage point Someone say amen. Joshua 14. Later now, after crossing into the promised land, tells us of a story of a man called Caleb one of the spies that entered in to spy out the land of promise. He's lived his lifetime with all they of his generation have died in a wilderness. They died with manna that fell from heaven. They died with quail that fell from heaven. They died with water gushing out of a flinty rock. They died with all of that. They died living their life in a circle. They died with what what tomorrow held was what today already was. Come on. Oh my goodness. That, that's good. What, what, they died with the same mo, same mo. The future looked just like the present and not far different from the past. But Caleb, having a good report, having a willful spirit. He lives through that time. He says in Joshua 14, 45 years, 45 years ago, as a spy, Joshua, I stood in this place. 
I walked along the ridges of this mountain. We gathered some fruit and some pomegranates and grapes from this mountain. And it was at that point in time that I said, Horeb is going to be mine. So I'm telling you today, now 45 years later, I was 40, but now I'm 85. I'm older now. Yes, I am. He says, but I'm just as strong. And I'm just as willing today as I was then. And his proclamation to Joshua was this. Give me this mountain. I know that the sons of Anakim are there. I know there's giants in the land. But if God will help me, I can see that it's worth hiding for. It's worth even perhaps dying for. Give me this mountain. He says, you know what, boys? I think that's a mountain worth dying. Why would Horeb be a mountain worth dying on? Perhaps just a little history of Horeb itself would explain or give us some type of inroad why it would be such a place. Hebron, that is, is the name of the mountain. Hebron meant alliance. Hebron meant league. What's the big deal about that? You get a mountain, amen, which means alliance or league. No, it goes further than that. It goes all the way back to Father Abraham. It goes all the way back to Abraham's first encounter with Hebron. The Bible tells us in Genesis 13 and verse 8 that upon Abraham's first encounter with Hebron, the Bible says that he removed his tent and he came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron. And the Bible says there, Abraham built an altar unto the Lord. As a matter of fact, this is the first place that Abraham ever built an altar unto the Lord. And whenever he built an altar, he was making an alliance with God. Whenever he built an altar, he was making a league with God. And so now here's Caleb all these years later. He says, you give me that mountain. You give me the mountain where Abraham made a league with God. You give me the mountain where a man made an alliance with God. Because that's the type of life I want to pattern after. That's the type of life that I want to support. That's a mountain worth dying on where a man can make a league and alliance with God. People's getting on mountains of security and employment and they're dying there. There's people getting mountains of monetary goods, building them up, and they're dying there. Amen. There's people that's finding a lot of trivial matters in this life that are mountains that they're scaling and they're risking their life over in the process of scaling them. And many of them are dying on top of mountains that have no worth, have no value, could not help them, will not save them, will not be anything for future generations. But I stand here today like Caleb. Give me a mountain that's worth dying on. Give me a mountain where a man can be in allegiance and in league with God. That's a mountain worth dying on. Someone say amen. The sad postscript to this is mountain climbers do not scale one mountain. Get done with that scale and go right to another mountain and scale it. Because their body needs to repair because they have basically taken themselves to the point of death and survived. So it's going to be several months, maybe even a year, out before they repair 
in order to be able to attempt to scale another mountain. And so if that is the case, I ask us this. How many mountains have we begun to scale? Come on. Come on. Only to realize it really wasn't worth it. But we couldn't go to the next adventure that was valuable. Because we'd wasted our energies on something that was minuscule. There's a father, probably explains this best. His father came into a church one time, he had a little postcard from his son. His son had been at a, a Boy Scout camp. And he was so proud writing in that little postcard. He said, Dad, the other day, he said, we went and we hiked and, and scaled up a mountain. He said, it was so wondrous and beautiful. And we came back down. Only to realize that the counselor told us we climbed the wrong one. So we're going to have to do it again tomorrow. The moral of the little postcard story is this. Climb the right mountain the first time. I've seen them folks. They've come in here. They're damaged. They're damaged. They're weak. They don't have no self-confidence. They're even, they're even wandering in their mind if they can scale another people. Because they've wasted their energies, their years, and their lives climbing mountains that didn't matter. At the moment that they were doing, they thought, yeah, it did matter. They're going to defend it. They're not getting off this thing. Nobody can tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very important. Only to have a moment in their life they understood, you know what? I've been climbing and I've been risking my life for nothing. And they come down from the slope and now they have everything that has a future to it. Everything that is God honoring. Everything that is God upholding. And they, they want to scale the mountain, but they're so damaged. There's so much despair. There's so much criticism in their own mind that they're having problem putting one step in front of another. I don't put it off on all these folks. Listen to me. There's people here that's struggling just to remain saved. Amen. Because they've had some mountains and they passed that took so much vital energy and strength from them. They can hardly make it today. And I'm trying to tell you today, you need to size up your mountains and decide what ones are worth climbing. You got to decide today what's worth risking your life over. You got to decide today what's worth what. I'm not talking about a literal life this morning. I'm talking about the life of your soul. You've got to decide what's worth chancing. Because while some mountains ain't worth dying for, some are. Bible said when Moses died that his eye was not dim and his strength wasn't abated I wasn't dim strength was not abated but what would be advantaged him on that mountaintop was worth dying on that mountaintop though with clear vision and full strength Listen, just because you have the vision and the strength in your estimation to climb higher peaks doesn't mean it's the necessary peak you need to be climbing. Oh, yeah. 
there's persuasive there's persuasive words and praises and people that come through life they'll be and please don't understand everything I preface but everything I'm about ready to say all these things are important valid and that's okay but not at the expense of climbing the right mountains there's been people that come into people's lives they're in ministry they do a good job but they see maybe a little skill a little intelligence in them where they could be doing something better people speak these little words you know you could do something besides being a preacher or a pastor and, and you, you could go on and finish out education and you could become this or that and you, you could climb here or there and you could do a lot great you know what I might have the strength I might have the energy if you will to scale that type of mountain but if that's not a mountain worth dying on if that's not a mountain with a future if that's not a mountain with the priestly garments I can see exchanged and go on if that's not a mountain where it's an alliance and a league with God it's not a mountain worth climbing Regardless if you have the strength to do something else. I'll come to a close today, Brother Mason, if you can help me. Come to a close today. There's mountains worth, there's mountains worth climbing. Mountains worth climbing are those that the forecast, the far off picture, if you will, of a promise of a future, of something beyond the now into the tomorrow. It was for Moses, it was for Aaron, it was for that matter for Caleb. Because that mountain that he would die in would be the inheritance that his children would get. Somebody just hear what I said. The mountain that Caleb died on would be the legacy he would leave his children. And so you need to contemplate what mountain you're willing to die on. Because the mountain you die on will become the legacy of your children. Which mountain's worth dying on? You stand with me. There's mountains worth dying on. Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. His feet were tried up, trod up the sides of the Mount of Transfiguration with three of his disciples. There would be some very spectacular things take place up there. His garments would become white as no fuller could wipe them. The brilliance was just all, all inspiring. The voice from heaven would speak. But that wouldn't be the mountain he would die on. He would preach perhaps the greatest sermon ever preached that crosses over chapters in the Bible of Matthew 5 and on. Called the Sermon on the Mount. People would gather his feet. Many of sermons from that time forward even today has been preached from his sermon. That he preached on the Sermon on the Mount. But that would not be the mountain he would die on. He oftentimes would resort to a garden, a place on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. It was a favorite place. Insomuch that Judas, whenever he went to betray the Lord, he knew that would be the place because they oftentimes resorted thither and, and they would pray there and they would fellowship with one another there. And so it was a very important place, a milestone in their life. But that would not be the mountain he would die on. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that one day he went back to his childhood town of Nazareth in Luke 4. 
He went back to Nazareth. He read from Isaiah that day in the synagogue. Talking about the spirit is upon me and anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To set the captives free. When he refinished all that, he closed that book and he said, Today this is fulfilled in your ears. Everybody looked at him and were in awe. And he began to tell them how you're going to tell to me a proverb. Physician, heal yourself. Do this, do that. And I'm telling you, he said, that in this place, such places like Capernaum and Bethesda are going to have greater and more wondrous things than you all are going to have in Nazareth, my hometown. And the Bible says whenever he had said all of these things and all these measures that when they heard this the people they were filled with anger and they were filled with wrath and the Bible says that they rose up and they thrust Jesus Christ out of the city and they led him unto the brow of a hill whereupon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong that they might kill him but the Bible says that he passed through the midst of them and went away because that's Nazareth that's his hometown Jesus went on and left and they didn't get the job of killing him done. The reason why? Because he said that's not a mountain worth dying on. But when he carried the cross from Jerusalem outside of the city to a place the gospel say was called Golgotha, the place of the skull. Another says Calvary. He's not kicking. He's not refusing. He's not fighting as they pierce his hands and his feet. He's not saying no, not today. But as they put that cross into Calvary, the skull, there's a story that should be told for us all. That must have been a mountain worth dying on because it was a mountain with a future it's a mountain with a future and that's the reason as a pastor of this church I stand on the mountain of repentance and I tell you it's a mountain worth dying on because it's a mountain someone died for I tell you, Jesus' name, baptism in immersion is a mountain to die on. Worth. Because someone already been to a mountain to die for. That the infilling of the Holy Ghost, Brother Gregory, is a mountain worth dying on. Because someone died. Not only that, the Spirit of God that you and I, you better believe I'll defend it with everything, with my teeth clenched, with my flag in my hand. And honey, if it's going to bring me some hurt and dismay, I'm going to do it. Because my Bible tells me whenever he died on the mount called Calvary that the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top and to bottom doing what? Granting every individual, not priest only, every individual access to the presence and the power of God. That's a mountain worth dying. Christ trivial matters there's many times he and he did at times but there's many times man he could have really got in deep debate and everything else over all this junk that was going on them keeping the traditions of men more than the traditions of God and he could have lost his life at that moment but he didn't because those were not mountains worth dying on but that battle being won would not save anyone's life would not give anyone a future Calvary, he had to choose Calvary. 
I know it's going it's to cost me the greatest sacrifice and it has the greatest risk, but it's going to produce the greatest value. I ask you this morning, what mountains are we willing to die on today? What mountains are you willing to die on? There's some that you need to keep in your rear view. There's some that you may be close to the peak that you need to turn around at that moment and say, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm going back down. And there's somebody else that needs to take up their sack and take up their backpack and all their supplies and start heading and scaling the mount of God. Start scaling the mount where you can have an allegiance and a league with the master. Go back and say, God, I want the mountain that's going to be of the most benefit. Because listen, if you're going to scale the hill that he scaled, it'll cost your life as well. Paul said, in order for me to live, I had to die. In order for me to live, I had to die. What's you saying, Paul? It's going to be the greatest sacrifice, but it's going to bring the greatest reward. That's a mountain worth dying on. <laughs> And so much Hebrews tells us, I think Hebrews 12, it said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before, future, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of God. He says, you know, I'm here on Calvary, this is happening Life is going right now. I scaled this. This is happening. But you know what? This is happening because I can see something in the future. Just as Moses could see a promised land that God had foretold. Just as Aaron could see the perpetuation of a priestly garment through his son. He said, there's a future in this. And that's worth dying for. We bow our heads in this place this morning. I'm telling you today in this house, there's hope. And in this house... There is a future that is presented to each and every one of us that's worth losing, losing our lives for. Worth, worth losing our lives for. Worth, worth losing, if you will, our, our reputation, if you want to call it that, for. But you're going to gain something far greater. You're going to gain something. But you, you, you got to contemplate today. There's a decision that's been passed into your hands this morning. you got to ask yourself the question, is this worth dying for? Is this worth dying for? Honey, don't climb mountains unless you're, you're, you're willing to die on them. Don't just climb arbitrary mountains. Just don't waste time and space. Just climb the mountains. Climb mountains that if you die there, you're okay with that. That if you die there, you, you, you're not going to you're not going to be worried about that. That if you die there, you're okay with your children telling the story after you're gone. They died on that mountain. They died on that Don't let them say, well, they found dad in the in the pool of his own vomit being too much alcohol in his body. Or they found mama. She was raped. She was pulled apart because she had an illicit lifestyle. No, no, no. Don't let that be the mountaintop story of your children. Let it be when the last time I seen them. They were sitting on the church pew the night before they died. There are mountains worth dying on. These altars are open today. Come on, sir. Come on. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. 
Thank you and have a blessed day.